0: Hello, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Aver with Audubon Louisiana,
1: and I'm Simone Laws with Restore Retreat.
0: How's it going, Simone? We have a packed studio today. I think it's a record.
1: (laughs) The fire marshal might come in here and get us. (laughs) We love to have in-studio guests, though. It's so much fun. I know. We love our telephone guests, too. Don't get me wrong, but it is really fun, and the energy is different when we have folks in here. Yeah, it's going to
0: be a good show, but uh, before we get into it, it's been a busy week, right? We've been out and about on the coast.
1: Yeah, some weeks we kind of lie and say it's been busy, and they haven't, but this week really has.
0: So you have been you were up on a few planes?
1: We did. Yesterday was a really nice day. We hosted two coastal fly For folks, we have some amazing friends and partners in South Wings. We've had them on the show before, both Emmett and Meredith. Um, They do volunteer flights for organizations like ours um, to help educate folks on our coastal issues. And yesterday. Uh, we were able to take um, some folks from one of the congressman's office and then but also we were able to take Megan Terrell, who was on our show our last, last week. week's guest. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Chris Barnes, who's um, should be a guest on our show and Charles Sutcliffe, who's actually, he was also another yeah, guest yeah, also on our that. show. So we had a, um, a really nice trip down to Mississippi River Delta had a great day how about
0: you yeah i mean it's been busy as well we had um folks go out to the atchafalaya basin mm-hmm. wax lake delta really explore that and see what it, it um it looks like they were saying it's really lush and just beautiful and then they also went out of Cocodrie and and kind of stopped and visited some of our friends at lumcon yeah dr alex kolker who also Previous has been on guest, the show two-time yes guest. yes exactly the hallmark of a good one right um but um today you know we have um a really great uh panel of guests that we're talking about a lot about Louisiana's culture and, and coastal communities. Right. Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot about, you know, the science and the policy, but today I think we're really going to focus on the people and why that matters. Um, you know, their Louisiana endowment for the humanities is, uh, do it has done a lot of really great reporting um and they're about to premiere a series of films on coastal communities that what um as part of the new orleans film festival
1: next week yeah i want to get down to why they didn't ask me to be in any of these <laughs>
2: so first
1: question guys no i'm just kidding <laughs> welcome to the show um you want to have them introduce themselves
3: yeah sure yeah. let's just go down the line
1: go down the line
3: uh my name is john ritchie i'm a uh Film producer, I'm um, the, the producer of the series for the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities of the Waterways. I'm Brian Boyles, Vice President
4: of Content at the LEH and publisher of Louisiana Cultural Vistas Magazine. I'm Chris Robert and I'm the grants manager at the LEH.
3: Awesome.
1: Okay. We usually like make you say where you went to high school because this is New Orleans, (laughs) but
3: some of you got it. Well, I went to Bird in (laughs) Shreveport. Bird (laughs) is the word. That's right. That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I um so I think I tell this story all the time, but I did um, student council. It was a big shock i'm sure yeah but um but we used to so captain Shreve and some of those guys up there so we used to know folks i knew folks from um from student council so i have all these like ideas so bird the word so um Brian, would you like to fess up i just
4: up? want to say that, that i like to tell people that john was all state in football
1: oh yeah. wow. Wow. nice
4: it was all-state uh, academic, yeah.
1: though. <laughs> hey, even better,
4: right?
1: <laughs> a smart football player? Good. <laughs> I like it.
4: I went to uh, Franklin Regional High School in Murraysville, Pennsylvania, far from the coast.
1: Okay, so can I guess the mascot? Sure. Um, Eagles. No. Oh. Well, you're no fun, Brian. You're supposed to agree. I have, like, a reputation. <laughs> I can't lie
4: about my mascot, Simone. <laughs> well, that's because I'm not from it? here, Was it? Would it
1: something like a terrier?
4: It was a panther. A
0: panther. Ooh, yeah. wow. I didn't know Pennsylvania had panthers. <laughs> Simone's on <laughs> a no bird kick. We've had too many yeah, Auden no. guests on. So Chris, how about you?
5: I uh, went to Lake Forest High School in Lake Forest, Illinois. Awesome.
1: I know. With a name like Robier, though. I'm from here. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. I'm like they got a whole grocery store. You know this, right? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs>
5: You've
0: been there. Awesome. Well, we want to dive into these films and talk about them and I'll talk about the premiere next week. But first, I want to you know highlight the amazing organization that is Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. I mean, we've had an opportunity to partner with you all and the magazine on some stories. But Brian, tell us a little bit about um, LEH, Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities, and, and kind of your history and mission.
4: Sure. Uh, the LEH is the state uh, affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. So A lot of people have heard of the NEH. Every state has a Humanities Council, and the LEH was founded in 1971. Uh, So we work with communities in all 64 parishes uh, to provide uh, people with access to our shared history and culture. So we do that through our grants program, um, through our primetime family literacy program, through our magazine, and through public efforts um, like the Waterways um, Initiative and the Museum on Main Street Tour, Uh, really um, working with people all over the state to celebrate Louisiana.
1: That's very cool. And how diverse that must be, right? We just had a conversation before the show, you know, just from one place to another right. in the state, it can be so different. That's cool that you can try to tie it all together.
4: Yeah, I, th- I mean, a great thing about our jobs is that we get to travel so much of Louisiana and find out what a beautiful and diverse mm-hmm. state it is. And tell us a little bit about your background. How long
0: have you been with LEH and kind of what is your, I mean, you kind of have a dual role, correct? um
4: yeah i uh and sometimes dual personality I, uh, <laughs> we'll get to I, that later <laughs> i've been at the leh since 2007 so um i was originally brought on uh sort of as a, an executive manager to the executive director but at the same time on um, the louisiana humanities center um, was opening in our headquarters and that was an event space that really hadn't had a lot of programming developed for it so um i was literally there when they were putting the lights and the locks in and i was fortunately kind of given the keys to that room and asked to put programming on and and that kind of kick-started um just a lot of great things that have happened um for me and i think in that space and that led us i think down to the path to um today uh the division of content and really um an effort to make the humanities relevant in new orleans but also in louisiana and so doing all those programs you know a year or two after katrina i think sparked a lot of things in us as a council to try and do more work that really put uh, put Louisiana history and culture in more of like a contemporary context because it's powerful and I think people, they need that kind of common ground to talk through some of the things that we have going on.
1: When you were a Panther, did you ever think <laughs> that you were going to do this? You know, did you ever think that your life would lead you this way?
4: I was thinking about the other day, like I, I think that I... Uh, I think this I, is deep I, when thoughts, I, I was like, what did, what did you want to do when you were 13? And I think that I somewhere between... Probably a stuntman, a <laughs> journalist, and a professor. So you kind of. And I feel like I got, that. yeah, I feel yeah. like it worked out. You know, like, I've I'm seen, of those things, I you know, it, but yeah. that uh, kind of. I've worked seen out, you go out yeah. on some airboats and
0: stuff, <laughs> yeah. do some well, kind of stunt.
4: We're timid, actually. Yeah. That's
1: yeah. the best pieces <laughs> yeah. of all of
4: that. <laughs> and how so about it's an adventurous uh, position. It's great. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. It gets. A, I mean, that's similar with us. I mean, we love getting out in yeah, the field and and experiencing Louisiana. Right. It's one of the best parts of our job. Chris, how
4: about you? Um,
0: you know, how long have you been with LEH? And tell us a little bit about what you do.
5: I've been with the LEH since 2009, January of 2009, Um, and I started with the Family Literacy Program, uh, managing some of those programs throughout the state, and uh, a need for some video work started popping up at the LEH, and my background's actually in um, audio and video production, so I kind of said, hey, I I might be able to do some of that, um, transferred over to the Division of Content, and that's where I've been for the past two years or so, maybe a little under two years. Um, so, in addition to the grants management, I produce video and audio content for the website.
1: Very cool. Yeah. Is that what you always wanted to do too?
5: Yeah, for a while. Um, well, I mean, I a little get guy a, a, looking a around
1: like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
5: got my hands on a camera early on, and so I've been wanting to do that for a long time. So it's nice to have an outlet through this mm-hmm. job where I get to do some of that. And, cool.
0: and John, I know you've been partnering with um, LEH on this specific project, but you have a really extensive, you know, uh, list of films and, and documentaries that you've worked on. Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of your, I guess, filmography.
3: All right. Well, OK, so first of all, I thought that I was going to be a doctor until what? Dr. <laughs> Baser at uh, Bird High School told me that I was a doctor material. Oh, no. <laughs> so. Well, you should have told a doctor or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he was right. He was yeah. right. It was probably the best thing. That, it's like the best thing I got out of high school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, so I, you know, I, um, I started making documentaries in 2007, and I've done a few on um, on gun violence and gun policies. And then I've also um, worked on several different kind of like uh, social activist kind of films, a lot of short films, you know. And so I um, started working with the LEH with their with their video work with Chris and Brian. Um, with some other programs like the Governor's Project mm-hmm. and also the Rainy Project. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, we back, we actually, we just kind of uh, kind of started to build a team as far as like uh, putting these films together. And so I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like as far as like, I felt like that as far as that, that those videos were kind of like the inception of um, mm-hmm. Or like kind of like led us into doing the waterways projects. Yeah, very so, cool. Yeah.
0: Like
1: an evolution thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we definitely want to talk a little bit about you know some of those uh, the waterways projects, some of the reporting you've done, and then the films that are getting ready to premiere. Um, we're about to head into a break. So where can people go to learn more and support and donate to Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities and support the important <laughs> job and, and work that you're doing?
4: What's you your can, You can go to uh, leh.org or on Twitter we're at Louisiana. Um, And you can find us on Facebook as well. K-N-O-W. K-N-O-W, always difficult on the radio. Like the more
0: you know. (laughs) The more you know. (laughs) (laughs) And that's your website as well, right? (laughs) Or for the uh, magazine. For the magazine, it's org. All right, cool.
1: Y'all stick with us.
0: All right, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. We'll be back right after the break.
2: National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's
1: heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us
2: for. Visit our website, nwf.org slash Louisiana to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a
1: rapidly changing world. nwf.org slash Louisiana.
0: At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy... Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert.
1: I'm Samoma Laws. We're also discussing can you eat raw okra?
0: Have you ever tried it? No. I like to pickle okra. Yes. Do you like okra in your gumbo?
1: Mm, I do. I do. I don't subscribe to the it's slimy kind yeah. of thing, but I do think raw okra is like fuzzy. Yeah. Right?
0: That would be weird. I don't know that I've ever done that. Yeah, it. we can talk about, about that later.
1: We're here with the guys. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hi. Hey um we i think we like started something here y'all had like some deep reflection and and i like that brian you were like into it now we're gonna goof off and talk about some other (laughs) stuff
0: (laughs) well getting back into kind of uh the the content that you've been producing focusing on coastal issues um tell us a little bit about the waterways project i know you know part of it's the films that are going to be premiering but also you've done a series of articles so how did that get started and um kind of what are the goals of the project
4: so it really got started um about a year and a half ago uh, when I actually did a flyover um, with our friend Richie Blink. Um, mm-hmm. And it was right when we were about to do an issue of the magazine, Louisiana Culture Vistas, focused on just culture along the coast. And I think as it has been for a lot of people, it's this very eye-opening moment for me. Uh, and at the same time, we had been doing a lot of planning around how to create content that wasn't just living in the magazine, but that also had you know audio and visual components to it, and that had programming components, You know, synthesizing all that is sort of what we've been trying to do. Uh, so we were fortunate to secure some uh, some funding to do a two-year initiative um, uh, through the Walton Family Foundation um, that really um, ties both uh, these films that we're going to talk about, um, a Smithsonian Institute exhibition that we're going to talk about. Um, but um, the first thing that we kicked off were these magazine articles. And we were really fortunate to come down and see you guys at Rainy. And that kind of helped us pilot, I think, what we were looking to do, which was to show how communities are impacted by coastal um, erosion, but also by coastal restoration, you know, ways to explain the master plan in human terms so that folks get it. Um, but that they also realize that, you know, there are challenges to implementing that and there are challenges for the people on the ground. For us, you know, we've tried to move kind of carefully into this space and just know what we're good at. And that's finding good storytellers, finding good documentarians, and sort of enabling them to go out there and, and do that. And, um, and so far, so good.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that kind of motivation of the culture is so important, right, in terms of what we're trying to do in terms of coastal restoration and preserving as much of the culture as we can. And that's the why, right? You know,
1: that's really the why. So, so, you know, we do talk about the science. We talked about how that's hard to explain sometimes, but the why is really hard to explain sometimes, too.
0: And you were so grateful to have you all at the Rainy Wildlife Sanctuary and and profiling a little bit of Timmy Vincent, who's been out there forever. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, on on his own, really um, managing the property for birds and other wildlife. Um, And we had Zach Smith, who did some awesome photography for the piece. Um, Tell us a little bit. I know you also had one on a a cover story, um, Channeling the Master Plan. Tell us a little bit about that story and what it kind of covered.
4: Yeah, our summer issue kicked off the series, really. Um, And Katie Rechdahl uh, is a great reporter from New Orleans, but she actually had... um, knew about a story over in Lake Charles and around the Calcasieu channel and the widening of that channel mm-hmm. that I think had been a project that had been uh, planned for a long time and it's finally coming online but has some challenges because of that delay. Um, what we wanted to do to start the series off though was to really profile the people that are coming up with the science. So a lot of that article she focused on, um, you know, the people at the Water Institute and the people at the CRA, CPRA uh, to really show that, you know, one, the process, But I think too that there are Louisiana residents doing that work as well, you know, that technical work, which has a lot to do with, um, you know, economic potential for us. Um, But I think that she got a really good handle on why they were there and what their motivation was. And then looking at what it means in Southwest Louisiana, because obviously that's, you know, an economic boom area, but you also have this great coastal crisis. And that's sort of the crux that we're sitting at. Uh, And Katie's, you know, she's a great person that's able to access, I think, the human side of all of that. And that's what we're hoping all these articles do. And, and And the more recent one um, that Justin Noble wrote for us in the new issue um, focuses on uh, Blaise Pizold and the folks mm-hmm. doing a lot of the marsh restoration. That's a small scale thing, but they've steadily done a ton of good work. Uh, and I think, again, looking at why they want to do it, you know, and, and also how that's funded, you know, uh, uh, sort of... Um, you know, extracting all of that for your average reader, that's the mission for us for the next two years.
0: And Justin Noble is such a great reporter and writer. He did the piece um, for Audubon Magazine recently about kind of the barrier islands and the restoration. Yeah, How do you go about, I mean, you obviously use, you guys are very involved, right, in a lot of ways, but then you're also using a lot of freelance um, journalists. Um, Do you find that it's a challenge sometimes for freelance journalists to pick up a story like this and kind of run with it? Or have you been surprised to see kind of the product of, The work that's been coming out?
4: I mean, we take it case by case. I think that I haven't um, said, hey, start pitching me your coastal ideas, because it is pretty specific. Um, I think in those two cases, you know, Katie is one of the great chroniclers of Katrina, but she also is a great person on street culture, and she's also a great person on the Weather Channel, Mm -hmm. you know, so all of those things make sense. I think Justin, you know, will end up being one of, the leading environmental reporters for the next ten years, probably if not longer, he's just on that track. So I think in some ways you know their track record. In other ways, um, like with Justin, he wrote a couple other shorter articles for us that I thought he's re- he really gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, you know, you also want to let the writer do their thing, you know, and then the editorial process. You come back and say we want to hit these notes. But I think we're bringing these people on because we really believe in their ability to go out there and get the story.
1: Yeah, I love the idea of focusing on the human side of it. I think that for Jacques and I, that's one of the most fun things about this show is that these are our friends. Mm-hmm. These are people that we know. These are people that we talk to a lot. It's how we were,
0: were raised, you yeah, know, it's yeah, where yeah, we were and raised. We, we
1: want to bring them on. We want people to understand them. And and one time I heard Bren Haas, who's mm-hmm. who's kind of like the daddy of the master plan, right. He said, um, "He said, you know, I was talking to somebody one time, a, an expert on diversions, and, and they got to know each other over time. This guy wasn't from here, came in here and came to look at diversions and, you know, the good and the bad of it. And he said, Bren, you know, I feel like I know you. I know your boys. I know they play baseball. He's like, I know you wouldn't lie to me, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think that that because we're from Louisiana, that's important, yeah. right? Those relationships. And so I love that y'all focus on that because I know Austin and I know him professionally mm-hmm. and I know a little personal. But like, that's the stuff. I mean, you know. You got to take these guys are doing good work for good reasons. And I don't I don't think we always crack that really well because they come off as really technical and they're doing their job. But they live here and, and they have lives and families and they're invested in our success, too. So I love that aspect of it.
0: And, uh, you know, there was another story kind of shifting further east to New Orleans and are in New Orleans um, that was really great about uh, a lost barrier island or the barrier island on which New Orleans is now sitting. Um, and that kind of featured Richard Campanella, who's an amazing just voice and an expert on so many of these issues. Tell us a little bit about that that story.
4: Well, you know, Rich is a, um, he's a columnist for us in every issue, and geography is basically uh, his territory, which can accomplish, accomplish anything. And I think that um, usually if there's a theme to the issue, he checks in with me and I tell him and he ends up finding something that's super apt. Uh, I think that's something that he had been fascinated by for a mm-hmm. while and was looking Very for a cool. reason to write about it. But it also is something that really tells you so much about this geography and why we're also in the shape we're in right now is because of what the river's course was supposed to be and how, you know, for thousands of years, this has been a dynamic deltaic environment and things have shifted. And again, I think there's a great metaphor there, which is like, you know, unless you get up in that plane, you don't even realize this stuff is going on. You're living in New Orleans. Similarly, there's sort of this subterranean thing that's going on that, you know, you and I can't see, but it's a defining reason why we live here. That's where I think there's this great overlap with the humanities of that kind mm-hmm. of analysis mm-hmm. to really tell us mm-hmm. like why we are where we are.
0: And it's so interesting because, I mean, there's so many disciplines that touch these issues, right? I mean, we you're looking at it from like a cultural angle. Richard's looking at it from a, a kind of geographical angle. We've had folks on who are archaeologists who are trying to understand the historical record and how cultures have shaped with the environment over time. So just so fascinating. Um, tell us real quick, we have to go into break, but how can people subscribe to the magazine?
4: You can go to knowlouisiana.org or leh.org and click on subscribe. And uh, our next issue comes out in December.
0: And we have a copy of an an issue here. It's beautifully done. The photography (laughs) is amazing. The writing is amazing. Highly recommend you go and subscribe now. We're going to
1: make y'all stay with us one more break at least. Yeah, we got to talk about the films. (laughs) You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM.
0: Hello, we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. I'm Jacques Bear with Audubon, Louisiana.
1: And I'm Simone Malaws with Restore Retreat. It's so, time for our fun question of the day. I,
0: and I have a fun question for you first, Simone. Oh, God. If you had to listen to my
1: show. You <laughs> can't do that.
0: If you had to listen to one song on repeat for the rest of your life, would it be Lionel Richie's Dancing on the oh, Ceiling? Gosh. I'm like, Or sweating. Lionel Richie's Hello.
1: Oh, dancing on the ceiling. Like, just because it's like jazzier, right? <laughs> but my real jam, my walk up song is Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's a good one. I wanna... Okay. So, guys, um, favorite movie? Go. Favorite movie? Um, yes. Too much time. Go. Police Academy. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome answer.
4: Uh, Rockers, the Jamaican movie. <laughs> well, that's a good one. I. I... Probably Mulholland Drive that
5: uh, ah, yeah. movie. I've seen that All just right. watched it. Probably
4: more than any other
5: movie. I remember seeing that at Canal
0: Place before they like you know made just it to, to where you could order food and yeah. stuff back when it used to be back uh, when the rats used to uh, run. independent oh. movie theater <laughs> or you know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, we, we love Canal Police. Anyway, uh, so getting back to the topic of movies, we're talking about um, waterways, and we're here with folks from Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities who have been producing these uh, s- a series of mini-documentaries that are actually really well done about coastal Louisiana, coastal communities, and they're premiering next week, um, Wednesday, October 18th, as part of the New Orleans Film Festival. Um, so, John, tell us a little bit about um, the, the, the films, kind of what the impetus was to uh, produce them, and, you know, what folks can expect to see when they come out to the film festival. Okay.
3: So, yeah, so the, the Waterways Project is a four-part doc, mini-documentary series that's all about the Coastal Master Plan. And um, the idea behind it was that we would uh, look at some of the technology that's, behind, that's being implemented in order to, um, in the Master Plan, and then also to look at some of the dilemmas that communities face uh, because of the Master Plan. So uh, the LEH selected four documentary filmmakers, um, and they were Kira Ackerman, who made Station 15, um, uh, Kevin McCaffrey, who made Born in the Bayou, Katie Matthews, who made uh, Keepers of the Mound, and then myself, um, and I made the one that's called Diversions. And so each one of the films focuses on a different aspect of the Coastal Master Plan. You know, Kira's film is, was called Pumping Station 15. It's about young girls' uh, meditation on failing pumping systems in, in New Orleans and about um, how she comes to understand uh, what, that, what the problems are behind that. And then Katie's film was uh, Keepers in the Mound. And it follows uh, a Homa Indian family in Dulac who live right next door to um, to ancient Indian mounds and um, that are being threatened by coastal um, coastal subsidence and erosion. And then and then uh, Kevin's film follows Wendell Corral, who is
1: he probably doesn't need any introductions.
3: Okay, so y'all <laughs> all know who Wendell is, and so, Just so we, finally, Wendell, right? finally, the film has come out. This is the film about Wendell. If, you, the if you, film. If you come out for anything, come out to see this film. Uh, it's been years in the in the making, I guess. You know, he's a legend. As, like, he's a legend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And then there's my film, which is not as exciting. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, no um, in all seriousness, it's about um, it's about the Mid bear Sediment Diversion, and it's looking at this l- large project that the CPRA is going to do, one of the first ones out the door, that um, that's going to rebuild marshlands inside Plaquemines Parish, and about how. Um, the, the pros and cons of that diversion, depending on who it is that you talk to from Plaquemines.
1: Yeah.
0: And so. I mean, they're all, I, I'll have to give a little, you know, I'll be honest, I got a sneak peek. Thank you uh, for letting me do that. But
1: I didn't <laughs> just for the record. Well, no one's bitter.
0: We need to talk to someone about
1: that. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, sitting next to them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting next to all of them. Okay. <laughs> um,
0: no, but uh, they're so well done. And just like, you know, we were talking about this in the break. There are these really complex scientific policy issues, but they're you know portrayed from such a human, emotional, engaging, and visual place that you're just you understand it in a way that I've never seen really a film portray these issues before. Um, and all of them are so well done, and the perspectives that they show. I mean, the one about kind of New Orleans um, stormwater management and pumping is, to- is told from the perspective of a high school senior who's just so fascinating really trying to understand these issues and one of the most you know powerful scenes i thought was when she's out kind of i think in uh dulac with denise reed Mm -hmm. and they're talking about how dulac is different and that it's not inside the levee system and what the you know um water management's like there where the water just comes in and it goes out and so tell us a little bit about that film and how she you know why the filmmaker chose that perspective um for to tackle these issues
3: well uh you know so i think that's something that y'all said earlier which i think is correct uh is that oftentimes in order to understand some of the issues when it comes to um you know the disappearing coastline you almost have to have a phd to understand some of the science and so what happens is that with a lot of these films the science becomes so dense that a lot of people um you know they get more confused or more overwhelmed than than they would and so i think that by having that human element you're giving people an um accessibility to the issue and like if what you were talking about earlier as far as like it's you see what the stakes are yeah um, right. when we when we uh when we don't do anything so the film that you were asking about the pumping station 15 that was done by kira ackerman she follows um a young high school uh senior named chastity who's a you know new orleans resident born and raised um and you know the film starts out with her talking about being a child and remembering uh when katrina flooded and um and once again, I think that it's one of those things that, you know, here, and it's a perfect example, you know, the city pumping, uh, the, the New, New Orleans issues with, uh, with pumping, with the pumping stations is a very complex complex thing for people to understand. And oftentimes people live right by pumping stations and not even aware yeah, right. what it is they do or how they work. Why, why do you oh, need yeah. that? How, much, yeah. how many
1: there are? How they have to work? When they have to work? Those kinds right. of things.
3: Yeah, so, you know, so I think that what, what Kira did and what I thought was very um, smart about her film. Was that she used this um, this New Orleans resident as the vehicle, you know, a, a kid, you know, yeah. or, like or I guess a young woman that's like coming of age, to um, help the audience. They, she, that's the vehicle for the audience to be able to understand what the issues are that um, and what are the problems with the way that we pump water in the city.
1: Yeah, sometimes you know? I mean it's hard for people even to ask some of those initial questions, right? Because you're just supposed to know why we, you know, why it's like that, and I think. That's why Richard's great and some other stories like that. And Wendell, it's like, well, we weren't always like that. This is kind of how we got here, though. So that's a that's an important way to tell a story without making people feel badly about, well, I kind of don't know how we got here, you know, and, and it's a nice way to tell a story.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the second film, kind of about the Point of Shen, um Native American community, you know, one of the beautiful things there is just seeing, I remember seeing the generations, right, that are there, you know, they're they're boiling crabs, they're living off the land. This is just a tradition that's been handed down generation after generation, and then they're there confronted with this future where they're, they're wondering, is our land going to be here? Um, what was it like, kind of, tackling such a hard... Personal issue for someone um, as as that, and and what, and 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 that is kind of just a microcosm of what's happening in so many coastal communities around the state.
3: Yeah. Um, so you know that was Katie Matthews' film, and um, she did that with Novak. They, uh, uh, you know, I can't speak personally for what Katie's experience was with uh, with working um, on that film, but however, I think that one of the things that that film does, you know, so great is that it really gives you a sense of place, and like what you're talking about, like seeing these families get together. And um you know for a crawfish boil or like a you know or a seafood boil that's something that that is very much to that area, and I think that once again it gives people the the idea of like this is truly what is at stake you know and so also another thing is that framing it around uh, um Indian mound which is a you know a, a religious you know um uh i guess uh you know it's part of that geographic location but it's it's a important yeah you know and the spiritual significance sacred, to yeah them yeah. And, yeah and I think that um is that it does raise the question as far as um you know what what is it what really is truly at stake for these people that have lived here you know who's generations have been here for longer than anybody else's has you know so it, and it are goes, tied to the land, tied and to the land you, you know and and it, it goes beyond even as far as like when, before there were even levee systems mm-hmm. or, or or even a louisiana yeah know?
0: and and we actually folks will get to hear from the filmmakers themselves directly we're having a panel um next wednesday 6 p.m at cellar door here in new orleans where we'll ask them some of these questions and then we're going to air it next week on the show so we'll hear from them um you know it's interesting because it so much of it is you hear after storms or after events you know particularly from people who may not be familiar with louisiana Well, why don't these people just pick up and move you know and it's not that simple i mean obviously there are economic reasons but there's certainly personal cultural reasons as that really tie people to the land um so we are about to head into another break um but uh and we're going to talk about a little bit more about the films but where can people where's the film premiering first of all and if people want to get tickets what can they um are they still available
4: yeah, you can go to the New Orleans Film Festival website and it premieres October 18th, that's next Wednesday at 8:30 at the Advocate Building on St. Charles. I think it's 8:40 St. Charles. So tickets are still available um and we'd love to see you guys there. Great. Well, um we'll be back with one more segment. Um this is Delta Dispatches
0: and uh we'll talk to you shortly. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats,
1: Region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org.
0: All right, we're back. Uh, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. This is Jacques Bear with Audubon, Louisiana. Unfortunately, my partner in crime, Simone Malaz, had to head out. The little guy is getting a green belt tonight, so hats off to him. But I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah little guy. Give it up for that guy. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah, a lot more belts than I've ever gotten. So, uh, <laughs> um, But we're here talking to our friends from Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities about waterways, um, a kind of coastal um, storytelling and reporting um, program that they're putting on. Um, and particularly these films that are premiering next week as part of the new Orleans film festival on October 18th. And um, we were talking about some of the films, but I guess let's talk about the man, the legend Wendell cure So that film is, is very exciting. I mean, it, it tracks him, um, and his life and kind of what he's done in the space, but also it tells a lot about just how uh, one parish in particular, uh, Lafouche has protected itself mm-hmm. so successfully from these storms.
4: Yeah. Uh, we know Kevin McCaffrey uh, has been documenting the coast for, for decades and uh, has been an LEH partner for a long time. And so when we went to start commissioning these films, Kevin was one of the first people we talked to and Wendell was probably the first story he brought up because um, he felt like Wendell was due to have his story told. And I think what really appealed to us and I think comes through in the film is that Wendell uh, sort of touches on so many different communities that are affected because um, in the film, you know, they really travel down the extent of the Bayou from Donaldsonville all the way to Port Fouchon. And in that time, you know, he interacts with um, different uh, governmental organizations, um, business people, uh, just culture bearers, you know, and I think that um, what we really wanted to see, and I think what comes out so well is that this is a complicated issue, you know, and even just one waterway has all this overlap of interests and concerns and um, what Wendell's been able to do as South Lafourche uh, district manager has been uh, pretty profound, I think, as far as um, fighting for that community and really being a good steward of that land. I think a lot of people look to him um, as someone who has continued to, to persist And uh, continues to play a leadership role, um, not just, you know, down the bayou, but also in Baton Rouge.
0: Right. He's, uh, you know, definitely on the CPRA board um, and a leader there.
3: Um, Yeah, you know, one thing, too, like as far as the takeaway for me for the film is that also I think he's a prime example of what it takes to run a successful um, coastal area. You know, they like the the attention to detail and how much he knows is amazing. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, kind of that
0: I mean, true spirit. I mean, we say it all the time, but and it is a buzzword, but it's true for him. I mean, resiliency and just can do. Like he gets out there and, and does it and you show that it shows that he's willing to work with whomever to kind of get it done um, for Lafouche. I mean, another important element there is obviously they focus a lot on their Um, you know, risk reduction and levees, but he talks about, hey, you can't just do levees, right? We need restoration. We need, you know, marsh creation. We need the skirt, as he calls it, which is the area of marsh that hugs the levee and helps strengthen it. So I thought that helped really show, um, you know, a a model for why the state is kind of pursuing the master plan as they are and that 50 percent restoration, 50 percent protection. You need both. Um, John, so let's talk a little bit about your film Diversion. So obviously, the Mid-Beretaria Sediment Diversion is something that's in the news. It's widely covered. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you go about kind of tackling something that has been um, where there are so many interests and so much news has been covered on it um, in the past?
3: Yeah, you know, so, it, you know, well, first of all, you know, as far as the, the, the actual project and also the dilemma that a lot of people see in it, it's not necessarily the most... It wasn't the easiest thing to understand. So I spent a lot of time doing... Um, Research interviews. I, I talked to uh, John Tustavich, um down in Plaquemines. I talked to Earl Melanson um, over at Nichols. Um, I talked to several other people, like in order to be able to try to get a, an understanding of this um, mid-Barataria sediment diversion, and, and then as far as what were people's stances on them and how they felt about it. And you know, after doing um, these interviews, I you know I felt like I had a better understanding, of what I kind of walked away with which I thought was the most important thing for people to understand it was to do nothing was not, um, an option. And that, that they, that this is something that's going to help build land and that there are people that have really legitimate concerns about how this might affect, um, their business, especially the oyster farmers out there. Um, but that, uh, that there are people that are also residents there that are also very much for it because it's, it's going to end up protecting their, 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 their homes, you know? And so, um, I think that what we did is we we told the story in a way to where we showed it on both sides from two different people, two different residents of Plaquemines. Uh, we talked to uh, Pete Verzovich and also Albertine Kimble. Um, and also another thing I think that was really important to get across in the film was that you know when you know from here in New Orleans when you hear about uh, the the you know the issues of or like the people that are you know debating about how to implement this plan, that you think of the of people being. Um, in opposition or, or like or like opposed to each other. And I think that one of the things that you walk away from with the film that it's not that simple, that these are people that are neighbors and that the, the thing is that even though they might not agree as far as like on what's what to do or or, or what they their expectations of this project are going to be, but at the end of the day, the thing is that these are people that know each other and actually care about each other. Right. And I think another thing that the film really showed is just
0: how many interests there are in some way or another in the coast, right? Not just in Plaquemines Parish, but across the coast. I mean, there's industry, there's the people that live there and who have many times, ta- in many cases, have lived there for generations. There's, you know, the natural resources, the wildlife. And so when we're faced with this urgent crisis, it's like, how do you kind of bring people together to kind of move forward in some way? Because we know, you know, that just doing nothing is not an option. Right. Um yeah. And I mean that's you know a question that we'll continue to have, but I think it really presents that in a clear way. Um, Thanks. Yeah. So um, again, tell everyone where they can go um, to see the premiere, and then I, I know after New Orleans Film Festival, you all have plans to show it some more. So what yes. what are those?
5: Um, well, they're, the films are going to be used as part of the Museums on Main Street tour. It's going to um, tour Louisiana and starting summer of 2018 through the beginning of 2019 and that's going to be at six different sites across the state and the films were made um, as tools for each site to use to generate discussion about these coastal issues so um, the idea is that um, they're going to look at two of the films at least and then have group discussions about the themes in the films. so we're hoping that you know you've been talking about the amount of information that's in these films we're hoping that the the humanity side of it the human stories can kind of hook people and get them to talk about, you know, what's going on and maybe empathize with what some of these people are going through. Um, because, you know, it's not just a coastal issue. You're starting to see, like, what happened in um, with the rainstorm in Baton Rouge 2016, um, these kind of freak storm systems that just sit there and, and flood places that don't normally flood. Um, so I think more and more people are going through these sorts of things. But, um, yeah, these are going to be used to, to get people talking about what's going
0: on and one of the cool things about that is it's not you're not just showing it in kind of southern louisiana or, or in coastal louisiana right it's you're trying to kind of make the case to all of louisiana that hey you, the, the coast is part of our state and we're all stronger with a restored coast
5: right right yeah definitely um i can i can tell you where the tour is going if <laughs> if you want to know it's um it's going to start in Plaquemines parish um it's going to jeff davis after that i see him uh uh it's going to um the shepis and caldwell uh, 4-H facility in Grant Parish, old City Hall Museum in Livingston, and the Jennerette in Iberia Awesome. So We've got well, a good reach.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely keep us posted on that, and we'll be sure to get the word out and make sure people know where to go. Um, again, you know, if you want, you're in New Orleans or nearby, and you want to come check out the films next week, um, Wednesday, October 18th at 6 p.m., we're going to have a reception and, and a panel with the um, filmmakers at cellar door, and then at eight thirty to nine thirty p.m., the films are going to premiere as part of the New Orleans Film Festival um, at the Advocate's office on the, uh, in in New Orleans. And you can go on the New Orleans Film Festival website to get tickets. Um, what other exciting things? We have got a few minutes left. They're coming up for with for LEH. Uh, big plans for the tricentennial.
4: Yeah, we uh, as soon as these films get screened, we'll get ready to look at November eighth, which is when we're going to be uh, celebrating the publication of our Tricentennial Anthology, New Orleans in the World. And the reception will be at the World War II Museum on November 8th. And then uh, we're going to have a full year's worth of programming around the history of New Orleans, um, supported by this book.
0: That's awesome. I mean, it's going to be a great year. And I mean, a great year for you all, I'm sure. Um, What better organization to help celebrate the culture and history Um, of Louisiana than the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. So thank you all for being on. Thank Thank you you for these films. Thank you for having us. Um, And one more time, where can people go to support Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities? www.leh.org. Awesome. Well, thanks again for a great show. We'll be on next week, and you'll be hearing um, from the filmmakers themselves uh, from the panel discussion that we're going to have on Wednesday. Um, Thanks for listening. This is Delta Dispatches. You can listen and subscribe at deltadispatches.org. Have a great week.
1: National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation.